Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ACC Now podcast by the News and Observer and the Herald Sun. I am Steve Wiseman, the Duke beat writer for the Leonard and the Herald Sun. Uh, pleased to be joined today by a Duke legend, uh, Steve Wojciechowski, uh, is is with us uh, uh, as we talk about uh, you know Duke's last season here under Coach K. Uh, we're trying to uh, uh, you know relive a lot of a lot of memories, a lot of memories over 42 years. Wojo's been part of many of them. Uh, uh, championship wins as a coach, uh, defensive player of the year, big wins over Carolina, all his accomplishments as a player and a coach. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Doing great. I, I appreciate the legend status. I'm not sure I'm quite worthy, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, tell us, uh, let's, let's catch up our listeners first on on how, you, how you've been doing this year, what, what you've been doing with your uh, with your time away from coaching, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's it's been different, you know, ever since I was really um, probably since I entered high school, my winters have been filled with nonstop basketball, either on the playing or the coaching side. This is really the first winter, although I'm not sure my uh, sixth grader, because I coached his team, would say I've been completely away from it. Ah. Uh, I've had a great year. I've had a great year. You know, it's been incredibly beneficial for me to take a year and, um, you know, really evaluate, you know, what I want to do next and make sure it's the correct choice for not only myself, but my family as well. Yeah. How are, uh, you know, Charlie and Jack and, and Lindsay, I guess, you know, dad's home a lot more than he used to be. Right. So that can be a yeah. good or bad thing. I guess, right? <laughs> well, I feel like it's been a great thing. Yeah, uh, you'd have to ask them if they would concur. <laughs> um, but it's given me a chance to to be around my sons and look. College basketball is an incredible. Um, it's a, it's an incredible business to be a part of, but it's a business that doesn't come without costs. And one of the costs of those things are time that you you're able to spend with your family because you're pulled in a number of different directions as a coach and as a leader of a program. So. Uh, to be able to uh, to be around my family, uh, to take time for myself, uh, to to invest time into my family and friends has been a year I would never trade for anything else. And I'm sure, you know, I was all kidding aside, coaching a sixth grade team had to be a, had to be a lot of fun. Had to be a lot of fun coaching your son and everything. Well, our season just ended and we had a really good season. And I told the kids uh, after our last game, it was as rewarding a year as I've had in coaching. And I meant it. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, there's something to the purity of that age. And the group I had were tremendous kids who, were, who worked, who were willing to learn, who were great teammates. And so while it wasn't on the stage that I'm accustomed to, uh, what I got from it was equal to a lot of the things I, I did gain from being on a big stage. Absolutely. Well, listen, I do want to ask you now, now that you've been through the experience of a head coach, um, you know, you, you learned under coach K as a player, as a coach, we talked about that. Are, are there some things about the way he goes about his job that you now maybe have a different appreciation for a different perspective about now that you've been in that, that big chair and been through what, what you've been through? Well, after having gone through it myself, you only, you, your appreciation only grows for what he's done and the level he's done it and the way he stuck to his values and principles, um, you know, to do it for over four decades, not just at the level of winning, 
uh, but the level of investment, investment into the people that make up the program, whether you're playing for them or coaching for them, uh, you feel like on a daily basis, you're going to get his best. And, you know, one of the things um, that I've mentioned to, before to people was when I was, uh, you know, a high school senior and trying to decide where to go to school, I can remember Coach K coming into my home and saying, you're going to get my best every day and I'm going to expect the same from you. And it's, it's a very simple phrase, but it's incredibly difficult, if not near impossible to execute. And I really feel like for me and my experience, he's done that. He's, mm -hmm. He did that for me when I was playing for him. He did it for me when I was working for him. Uh, but most importantly, he did it, you know, throughout my life when it didn't involve uh, the game of basketball. And for him to be able to do that uh, for me, and I would, I would wager to say that uh, most, if not all players would say the same thing, um, is, is mind boggling. And to me, you know, obviously look, his, his resume speaks for itself, right? I mean, he's mm -hmm. all time leader and wins, um, five national championships, championships galore. Um, but to me, the, the greatest thing that, that he did for the, the people that have been the closest to him throughout his coaching journey is he he stuck true to the promise of giving his best every day and expecting up expecting it from us as well yeah um and you know talking about uh this year's team this is the last go around for him the last everything's you know he doesn't want to talk about last or final but the fact is we're getting down here <laughs> to the yeah, last yeah. few days here so that's it's right here it's the elephant in the room you can't ignore it but uh i know you got a chance to come back to cameron last month in january uh to see a game spend the weekend around the program a little bit uh just you know what were your takeaways from that trip what, what are your thoughts on this year's team and you know and, and the way they're they're put together and the way they're playing well i love being back there and i was able to get back there with my family and and uh it was it was a different experience for me it was the first time that i've actually sat in the stands and watched the game since i was a high school senior watching grand hill senior night mm. wow uh, you know otherwise i was on the floor darn close on the bench. Right. Um, and, it, you know, I, I think it, it gave me just an appreciation for uh, how lucky I was to have the experience of, of being a Duke player, of playing for Coach K and being a part of the university, which is, you know, in my mind, the best in the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, there was there was a uh, a ton of emotions that go through your head, but I was incredibly proud. Um, and then to be able to watch this year's team, you know, I, I really like this year's team. Um, uh, the pieces they have, uh, you have some exceptional players and exceptional talents. They're young, um, but they've seemed to be able to rise to the occasion. Uh, at the biggest moments. And that's something that they'll need to do as they head into March. Yeah. Um, you know, again, the thing about being young, that's kind of the cycle they're in and they have to, you know, fight through that every year, but uh, they do have a couple of veterans on the team. One being Theo John, a guy you coached, you know, at Marquette uh, that came to Duke as a transfer. It's his first year at Duke, but you know, he's played in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You know, he's got the most NCAA tournament experience of anybody on the roster. 
which is an right. amazing thing to think about Duke, but that's what the pandemic did to us. Right. <laughs> right. Right. No, um, it's a great spot for Theo. and I know yeah. he's happy and, you know, I think he's, he's in a, a really important role, you know, for that group to provide stability, consistency, and a, a presence, not just as a player, but physically and emotionally. You know, Theo's played in a lot of ball games. I mean, he, he essentially started for uh, four years for me, uh, was a key player for me at Marquette. And that, that experience is invaluable because mm -hmm. a lot of times – uh, the guys on the floor are going through things the first time. Right. Theo's a guy who's had a bunch of reference points in big time games, big time atmospheres. And, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like he's really made an impact. And sometimes his impact is greater than what's shown on the box score. Yeah, I was that, that wanted to get into that a little bit because, you know, he, he brings an edge of this team. Um, I kind of call him kind of a sandpaper guy because he kind of gets under people's skin every once in a while. And that, that it's not a pejorative. It's a good thing. I mean, I think that, right. I think that sometimes the team needs an edge like that. And he brings that, he brings a different energy off the bench and just kind of what, you know, what makes him tick when it comes to that. And, and, and as far as his, his approach to things. Yeah. You know, I mean, first of all, Theo is an incredible, you know, when I recruited him, I guess I could have called him a kid. I can't call him that anymore. He's, yeah. he's an incredible guy. Um, on the court, off the court. He's a great teammate. And he's somebody that wants to help uh, winning. He's for a winning cause. And so whatever role that you ask him to take, he'll do that willingly. Um, embrace it and try to do what's asked of him to the best of his ability. Now, he does have an edge. And, uh, you know, he would have an edge if, if he just looked like he did because he's <laughs> – He's built like a WWF wrestler. Yes. Um, but he, you know, he, I think there's also a part of Theo that wants more, um, you know, even though we won to the NCAA tournament, won a bunch of games. I think he, he wants to finish out his last season uh, doing something that's special and historical. And, and so uh, having gone through it and the reference points of some of the, you know, disappointment, if that's the right word in the NCAA tournament, um, you know, having gone through that, it gives you, I think, more fuel to want to do better. Because yeah. if you've never experienced uh, disappointment in the NCAA tournament, you don't you don't really know how it feels. And once you know how it feels, you know you never want to go back there. Right. And hopefully, that's something that Theo can impart to his teammates as as they begin this stretch run. Yeah. Uh I want to ask you something else about something you know very well, defense, and, and particularly perimeter defense. And this year's Duke team, that has been, at times, a, a, a strength. And now, it, there were times in January it got away a little bit because, you know, Trevor Keels was injured, and the things were they took the COVID break, and it took a little while to get back. But when you watch them play, I know it was January in person, and you've watched them, I'm sure, on TV since then. What are your thoughts about the, the ball pressure they're putting on the rotation out there in the perimeter and, uh, and how that could be a strength going forward into the NCAA tournament? Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, this team has a lot of offensive weapons and offensive talents, but for this group to do um, what I believe they want to do, uh, their calling cards going to be on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. They have great size, uh, both on the perimeter and interior. Um, they have an incredible rim protector in, in Mark Williams. 
And whether it's Wendell Moore, or Trevor Keels, or Jeremy Roach, uh, you know, those guys can apply a high level of ball pressure, which is disruptive to the other team's uh, flow offensively. And this team is deadly if it can get turnovers and, and get out in their transition game. And so the ability to pressure the ball and make other teams uncomfortable, uh, in addition to the ability to turn people over and convert their defense into offense, is going to be really, uh, to me, the most important thing going into uh, March, as it's almost already here. It is. We're just about, you know, a week away here, a week from tomorrow. I reckon it's March 1st. So we're getting, we're getting close. And yeah, that's something I talked about with this team earlier this year, you know, when they beat Gonzaga and Kentucky and all that was that the defense was, was, was pretty strong then and defense travels, right? It could go in, in any building. You might be having an off shooting night, whatever, you know, uh, but if you're able to shut teams down, particularly in March, right? Isn't defense. I mean, you've got to defend if you're going to win in March, don't you? I don't think there's any question. Um, yeah. you, you have to be good in both ends to win in March, sure. obviously, but, but the defense can, can also be a part of the offense mm-hmm. and because Duke applies pressure and, and, and makes it difficult to, to enter into offense and can force teams to play one-on-one basketball. Uh, it's not something you see as much because most teams are playing uh, more pack line style defenses. And so, you know, it, it can be an adjustment and a, it's definitely an unusual thing to play against. And then when you're doing that with guys like Wendell Moore, who have great size and length, Trevor Keels, who's, you know, built like a NFL running back, Jeremy Roach has very good quickness. Uh, the, the, the theory of the defense and then the practice of it with the bodies they have, um, I think can cause teams problems as we get into March. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do want to take one one trip back uh, in, down memory lane for you uh, as we, on this on this uh, podcast episode because I want to think back to your freshman year in ninety four ninety five. That was a, obviously a tough year for Duke's program, and, and and we've talked to Coach K about it. Like it was kind of a pivotal year uh, for him and his tenure because things could have really gone haywire. You know, they they climbed the mountaintop and won the championships, and then you have that off season. And if you don't get it corrected right away, you know, if it's not handled correctly, you can, you can veer off and never get it back. Right. So, um, but personally, I know for you, you know, you lost your high school coach passed away that year, right. Uh, Ray Mullis. Um, and then, you know, half of that season, coach K was out. You weren't able to be coached by him that, that went through a, you know, it was a tough stretch for you and for the team, I guess. You just think back to to memories from that and, and, and lessons, I guess, that you took forward from that experience. Yeah, it's not how any of us envision the year going. I mean, you have to remember Duke was coming off a, a time period where they went to seven Final Fours in nine years and mm-hmm. won back-to-back championships. And, and you know, Grant Hill and Tony Lang, that senior class was a fingernail away from winning another one against Arkansas. And so there's, there, I think there is an expectation that, you know, going to the Final Four was just the birthright. And, and, and that's, that's just nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately we had to live through it and it was, it was very difficult. I think individually, we talked a little bit about some of the things that I was going through individually. Um, you could, you could say the same with the other players in the program and then losing coach K, 
there was a huge vacuum and void uh, in his absence. And that's not to say that any one person was responsible for that. Uh, we all could have done better. Uh, but again, it was the first time we were going through it. So what do yeah. you do? You're trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, but it was a pivotal time for the Duke program. And um, the years that followed that, especially the year right after the season where we were 13 and 18, you know, we did not have a team that was a typical Duke talented team. But we did have incredible fighters. We had guys that were in it for one another and that played for the Duke jersey. And we were able to scrap it and claw our way into an NCAA tournament bid. And, and from that point on, really my junior and senior year, from, from that, my sophomore year on, we, I felt like we were reestablishing the foundation of the Duke program. Mm -hmm. And, and certainly having coach back helped us do that. Uh, but I, my teammates did an incredible job of, of really establishing the culture and the standards back to where, uh, you know, we all want them to be. And the teams that came after us were able to, uh, to grow from that standard because momentum is fragile. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you, you think about uh, college basketball, you know, from one year to the next and really even in season, you can have great momentum. And then the next day, it's like, where did it go? Mm -hmm. And for us to be able to put together consecutive seasons where we overachieved my sophomore year, we're able to win a uh, ACC championship my, my junior year when we weren't. Uh, by any stretch, the most talented team in the league to the point where a couple of years later in 2001, you know, they're cutting down the nets again. Yeah. And, um, you know, as hard as it was to go through, uh, it, it served me incredibly well as a person. Um, and I think it served the Duke program well. Now, I wouldn't wish it on any other players <laughs> moving <laughs> forward. Right. But that time period was a crucial time period and we were able to handle it in a way where Duke was able to maintain the standard by which every other program measures itself. Yeah. It just, you know, that summer after your freshman year, heading into your sophomore year, I'm just, you know, that, that was the crux of it right there. Cause it could have gotten away there. You guys pulled together as, as, as a program, as players, um, you know, what was what were the discussions like, I guess, among you guys, uh, the players in particular, I, uh, to, to reestablish that, to reestablish that foundation so that when, when Duke walked into the building, people knew what they were getting. And because the year before, obviously it had gotten away a little bit. Well, I think there was a, there was a distaste for what we went through, mm -hmm. um, individually and collectively. And so, uh, any other agendas were pushed to the side. The only thing we cared about was um, putting Duke back in a position uh, where uh, where where it was when we when we you know when we entered it, mm -hmm. and you know I think when you're you have a single mindedness and purpose and everybody on the team buys into that and works towards that on a daily basis, regardless if you have NBA All Stars or not you're able to max out who you are or 
as a team or max out who you are individually. And um, that was as close knit a group as, as uh, you know, I was a part of as a player. And some of it was a result of shared adversity. Yeah. Uh, and that shared adversity allowed us to achieve things together that we would not have been able to achieve things on our own. Right. And, and Coach K, you know, obviously the program, and you were a part of it for so many years as on the coaching staff, then, you know, got it back going and got it back to the top of college basketball. And, and here we are. Um, he only has one more game to coach in Cameron. We're, we've reached that point. And for me, I mean, we all knew it was coming. I'm having a little trouble comprehending. There's only one left. I'm curious if you are. Is that, is that in your mind? Like, there's only, only one more time he's going to walk out of that tunnel and coach that team on the sidelines there. Yeah, you know, it, it's surreal. You know, you know, imagine this. I mean, 42 years of coaching. And when you turn on a Duke game, you 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 know, like you're you're accustomed to seeing him on the sideline. What else in your life has been that consistent? You know, I mean, and you go, you could ask anybody that. Like what what is one thing in your life over a 40-year span that that you know you can expect? And you know, that's, it's not going to be the same no. seeing him uh, not on the sideline. Although, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly confident that John will do a great job along with his staff. Um, but I'll miss seeing that. And, you know, I, and for the guys that don't get to experience what the guys who played for him did experience, um, you know, it's too bad. But there's another part of me that's really happy for Coach. Mm-hmm. You know, the investment that it's taken uh, for coach and for his family, because it's really a family affair, is is not something that should be lost on anyone. I mean, the time, the effort, the mental, physical, emotional energy on a daily basis that he's poured into the program. Um, I'm happy that he's going to be able to take some of the responsibilities that he took so seriously for such a long time off his plate. And that will allow him to do other things that he enjoys doing that maybe he didn't have the time to do while he was coaching. And I think it's, um, it's, 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 it would be selfish for us as former players or fans um, to not want him to have that time with his family uh, pursuing other things that, that really uh, get him going and the time that he'll gain from not coaching will be filled with things that continue to make the people around him better. And, um, but he'll have a little more control this time, which at 75 and, you know, close to 1200 wins later, uh, he certainly earned it. No doubt about that. Yeah. And he got to, uh, he got to orchestrate it and do it on his own terms and everything. And that's something obviously not doesn't happen to many people in, in any aspect of life, let alone coaching. It was, you know, how volatile that could be. So uh, you did mention John uh, Shire. And I did want to ask you, cause you know him very well, having, you know, coached him and part of the recruitment and everything, just, you know, what do you think about it, about his, his coaching ability um, and, and what he'll do with the program going forward? Well, I think John's a star and, um, really from the time we were watching him at Glenbrook North mm-hmm. to the time he played for us to, to after his playing career was over, uh, anything John chose to do, he would star in. 
because he's, he's got the makings of a star. He's an incredible human being. He's got, he's got a great heart. Uh, he's really smart. He's not afraid to work and he's great with people. And there's no question in my mind, he'll do a great job at Duke and for the Duke program. He'll do things that continue to make us proud. That's not to say it's not going to be incredibly difficult because John's walking into a situation that's as challenging as anyone mm. who's entered a coaching job has ever walked into. Yeah. But if there's anybody that's going to be able not only to handle it, but excel, it's John. And as a former player, I can't wait to, to give him uh, any and all support uh, that he'll need as he navigates his coaching journey. And it's a journey that's going to be, in my mind, filled with a lot of peaks. Um, and I can't wait to see him continue the tradition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one last thing I want to get you on before we let you go and appreciate you again joining us, Steve, Steve Wojciechowski here on the, on the ACC Now podcast is um, Coach K has had so many accomplishments, so many lives he's touched. Just if you think of his ultimate legacy, his ultimate legacy after all he's accomplished, what do you, what do you think it is? To me, Coach is, is a person that's always thought about the people and the places that he's touched and he's wanted to leave those people and those places better for his, for his interaction. And whether it's his former players or whether it's Duke university, the Durham community, college basketball, cancer research, uh, everything that he's touched in life is better for his impact. And I think that's his ultimate legacy. Uh, because that's going to, that's, that carries generations. And uh, as important as the banners that are hanging in Cameron are, um, the legacy of, of being a great role model for his players, being there for his players, uh, setting the example of what it means to be an outstanding human being so they can incorporate those things with their families and the people they, they touch and the places they touch you're talking about millions and millions of people and um, the millions of people he touched, whether you know about it or don't. And the fact yeah. is you, you don't know about most of it. Right. Uh, those millions of people are, are better for him. And to me, that's more impactful than the thousands of games that he's coached and the thousands of wins that he's had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Steve, listen, thank you so much for, for joining us on the, on the episode today. Uh, as we get here down to the wire, uh, I know you'll be, you'll be among, among the many former Duke players back on March 5th <laughs> at Cameron for that big game. Um, and then on into March, and we'll see where, we'll see where it takes us. But uh, really appreciate you joining us today on, on the podcast. I know everybody uh, is wondering about you, and, and I know you have so much insight to offer on Coach K. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for all your great coverage of the Blue Devils. We all appreciate it. Thank you, Woodrow. I appreciate that. Uh, and that'll take care of our, our, this episode of ACC Now podcast. I'm Steve Wiseman from the News and Observer. Thanks for joining us today.